settlers of Catan, settlers and settlers and settlers and settlers and settlers of Catan, settlers of Catan, settlers and settlers and settlers of Catan. Hello and welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for May. Because it's still May. It's going to be the middle of May soon, isn't it? Isn't this year just going very, very quickly? Isn't it? Isn't it to the point you need to kind of grab every chance? that you can with both hands in order to get some cardboard to the table. But what happens if you cannot get the ones that you love, the ones that you enjoy round the table with you to have a game? If only if only there was some way to um if only there was some way to to get rid of this horrific jabberwocky which is not being able to uh to meet with your friends if they're far away from you. Maybe you need a vorpal sword or maybe you need a vorpal board because joining me from vorpal enterprises i've got james lang hey richard how you doing i'm very very good i'm very i'm very pleased by that intro because you mentioned the jabberwocky so you, you we uh we have video here so you could see me smile when uh, when you mentioned the jabberwocky um so yeah that's good every once in a while you know not everybody knows it but when you meet mm-hmm. somebody who does and they give you that that look and they say, oh, yeah, I know what the Jabberwocky is. I know what Vorpal is. So that's cool. I'd, I'd like to point out I actually made sure it was in the introduction as well. So, you know, I, I score 10 points. Um, thank you very, very much for coming on. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's, um, it's exciting times because we are here to talk. We're here to talk a little bit about Vorpal Board, which is basically a way of allowing people to share physical physical games that they're playing over the internet through the medium of steady cameras and lovely little applications. So we're going to touch on that. But before that, I guess we should say hello to everybody who's out there. So hello, everybody. The reason that we do this is because um, if you enjoy something, just keep doing it as long as it's legal. And the other reason that we do this is because um, I like speaking to people and um, Vorpal Board is an unusual concept and I saw that a lot of people have been kind of talking about it and I thought, well, if everybody's talking to James, then I better get him on so he can have a chat with me as well. So, um, But what we do like to do is we like to have, we like to find out a little bit more about the kind of the person behind the kind of the cardboard or in this case, the application. Um, so I guess we want to have a little bit of the kind of look at the kind of, I guess, the programming of the past um, before we jump into kind of like the bug testing of the present and we look out at the gold version of the future. So um, do you want to do you want to tell us a little bit? Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, about how you kind of got involved in the hobby in the first place and, you know, and so on, as we would say. Sure, yeah. So I um I played a lot of tabletop games as a kid. Um, mm. I I played, I grew up kind of like in the Hero Quest generation. So yeah, thumbs up. That's right. I, Definitely. Uh, you know, it was really kind of like, we played a lot of that in like dungeon, you know, dungeon with an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And just, I had two brothers and we played a ton of board games when I was young. And that sort of informed, um, I guess, my interests today. But I, I, I strayed away from the hobby for a long time. And then I came roaring back with like the rise of co-op games. Co-op games blew my mind. Just sort of the idea that you could play a game against the the game itself. Uh, I remember yeah. I got um, Arkham Horror. Uh, that was uh-huh. one, that was the one that brought me back in. And I know Arkham Horror is, is insane to come back in because it takes forever to play and it's you know huge and it's got tons of pieces. But um, I impulse bought it at a at a game store and I started playing it with my wife and then a year later I had like 30 games it was just like an explosion. I'm seeing the Sean Bean kind of meme here which is one that's simply not you know purchase Arkham Horror as the first board game. I know it was a terrible decision. Seeing seeing that kind of whole you know it's not and it's not one of these things where if you know if you're explaining to other people I got this game what is it? It's Arkham Horror. What do you do in it? Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> Pull up a chair. Let me tell you about this game. You know, I and I was thinking, 
I was still remembering the games of my past, right? So I was remembering, uh-huh. I had played like a little bit of Pandemic, you know, I'd played Settlers uh-huh. of Catan. And then I was like, okay, I'm equipped for this. No problem. I'll buy this game. I'll open it up. I got it, right? And then <laughs> Just I'm, I'm, like that. Yeah. Flexing. <laughs> right. <laughs> dice over here, dice over there. Yep. What could go wrong? Nothing, nothing. I get, home from the, I get home from the store, I open it up, and I look at the rule book, and I was like, oh my god, things are different than, than the last time I played any of these games. But, but I was extremely excited by it, um, just because I loved the idea of getting a group of people around the table mm-hmm. and, and, and attacking a problem together, not necessarily playing against each other. I like, I like versus games a little bit too, but um, yeah. the ones I like the best are when everyone's working together and strategizing. Um, and so that led me to um, Zombicide, Imperial Assault, Descent, Gloomhaven, kind of I just sort of rolled through every dungeon crawler co-op experience I could get my hands on. Um, and now on to the, the latest one for me is Lord of the Rings Journeys in the in Middle-earth. I don't know if you've touched on that I've, one yet, but I've heard people marmite that one. Some people are saying it's absolutely fantastic and some people are are doing that thing where you've accidentally licked the back of a Nintendo Switch cartridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's happened? I've just eaten bugs. Um, kind of thing. I've seen people kind of they're not sure about it. I'm, I am, I'm interested to kind of hear what it's kind of kind of about. Um, I mean, grow, growing up, I mean, with you playing, kind of like the kind of your hero quest of this world. So, I mean, the cooperative kind of stuff. So, would you rather, when you were growing up, have played in a cooperative fashion with like your siblings then? Were you the kind of guys that you kind of tipped a bucket of Lego on the floor and said, right, everybody just let's make a spaceship armada and let's kind of play together? Or if you were playing with Star Wars toys or whatever, it was the two of you up against the Invisible Empire who was over there on the kind of the far side of you. Is that kind of your, in your character, you'd rather work alongside somebody than be kind of, ha ha, beat you? Kind of thing. Yeah, I'd say so. I was I was the youngest, so my brothers were All right. or are uh, not were four. They're four years. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds really dark. Um, but uh, it's like that's just like they did beat you. Yeah, but you killed them. <laughs> right, exactly. I took my revenge once I got bigger. Um, but uh, they're they're four years older and six years older than me. So I w- I was always mm-hmm. kind of like a little bit of a tag along guy. Yeah. Um. So. So definitely, my my slant was always wanting to play with them more than against them, um, and we yeah. you know we did Dungeons and Dragons together too, um, where my oldest brother was the dungeon master, and then me and the middle brother were adventurers. Um, and so I think as kids, yeah, we enjoyed not so much going versus because I was so much younger that they would normally beat me. So you yeah, know, yeah, it was it was it was easier for me to sort of play along with them than to to be a competitor with them. And it's only fun for so long, because then you end up almost like house ruling it to make sure that they kind of that you're everybody's kind of having a good time. Because some of the best times you're having isn't when you beat somebody kind of like fifteen no. it's when you've got like an even score and it's a seven eight, and you're just like, oh, oh, you just beat me by one point, kind of thing. Well done, let's. And then next time, absolutely destroy them and make them cry. <laughs> but that is the, you know, that is the kind of the the way to to play. Um. In terms of kind of, I mean, going forward, did you ever approach kind of like the game design side? I mean, you said you drifted away. Was that kind of college? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, well, yeah. It was. It was when I when I went to college, I, and I started playing a lot of video games. So, so my mm-hmm. my hobby switched into like video games for a long, long time. Um, mm-hmm. And I went to college. I got a job. I was a software engineer. Um, oh, right. And, um, you know, I just played a lot of video. My, my co-op kind of itch was largely uh, scratched by playing, you know, cooperative video games with my buddies. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think the dream of online video games died in me a little bit when it just got so if you went online and tried to talk to people, they were all maniacs. Um, and, you know, I always had this vision that like, we'd all be online playing together and everyone would be cooperating and you wouldn't have people griefing you and all this sort of stuff. And then like that just didn't, unless you were doing private game, unless you're doing private games or something that that just didn't come into fruition. And so I think I just wanted to play with my little group, um, have an adventure uh, and not be necessarily 
bogged down by the issues that we are running into playing cooperative video games. I don't know. I'm not sure why why I got pulled back into it, but um, but uh, yeah, I remember um, playing Burnout. I think it was was it Burnout on the Xbox, and I remember kind of falling into some kind of crew kind of thing that everybody kind of ended up at a particular time on Friday night. Everybody would turn up because um, I think, uh, yeah, just one of those things. And you end up kind of like, um, and everybody was just genuinely kind of helpful, even though everybody was having a race. If you kind of lost, there wasn't anybody kind of, kind of like uh, being really malicious or vicious or anything like that. Um and I think it's got to the point with online gaming that they're almost taking away the kind of communication, the ability to kind of um, to be able to be nasty to kind of other people, or they kind of come down really, really hard. I got friends that play like Final Fantasy fourteen, and they say you'll get people that are just generally be kind of not nasty, but just generally stupid and ignorant and stuff like that. But you won't generally get a lot of people who are really, really nasty. But I notice how the mainstream games like your say Apex Legends and even Overwatch and things like that, there's not really a way to you don't see people using the voice channels. People generally just communicate kind of by their actions, which I've always kind of found kind of interesting. And I did miss um yeah, I'm with you on the kind of the online stuff. It kind of appeals to me but it doesn't appeal to me in terms of the social side of things that very much the social side of online gaming happens away from it is that you'll end up you know if you're all playing like overwatch you'll end up going to an overwatch forum and you'll say oh are you this person oh yeah and then you kind of start a conversation from there um whereas you don't kind of generally get the kind of the social side of it whereas board gaming relies on that from the very very beginning you know if you if you if you act like a muppet when you're playing board games people just they just they, they'll tell you first of all they don't want to kind of kind of deal with you at all and, and anyway you know you'll you'll be alone <laughs> no, right, yeah. playing kind of kind of solitaire games um what got you? What got you? I mean, you mentioned kind of Arkham Horror, but what got you back into the hobby? Was it just, was it that game, or what? This what made you decide actually? I was going to take a you're going to take a step back into that world in the first place, even before you made the decision to buy Arkham Horror. You know, I think it was believe it or not. I think it was coming across Board Game Geek. You know, <laughs> like, and it was it was. I didn't even know that there were games that existed like that. You know, it wasn't yeah. in the stores I was going to. I wasn't going to tabletop gaming stores. I played a lot of like Warhammer as a kid too. And mm. I just had never been back to another games workshop. You know, just like I got so disconnected. And then I ended up on Board Game Geek and I saw, I, I'm pretty sure I saw just like a thread about co-op games. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And the breadth of available options was kind of shocking to me. Um, as somebody who just honestly wasn't paying attention. Um, and so, you know, I, I actually believe it was pretty random. I drove home. I, I remember it specifically. I remember the board game store in Madison, Wisconsin. I drove home from work one day and I was like, we don't have anything to do this weekend. I'm just going to buy a game and figure out how to play it. Um, hmm. And I asked the guy, you know, do you, do you have a copy of Arkham Horror? I thought the uh, sort of the Cthulhu Lovecraftian thing was a neat, was a neat angle. Um, hmm. And so... I picked it up and brought it home, and that was it. I don't know. Um, I, I wish I had kind of a more inspiring story, but it's it, it seems pretty out of the blue. <laughs> and from there, you're just your copy just kind of grew and grew and grew. Did you find a group then? I yeah, mean, I, yeah. You... I had I had some buddies who I played video games with, and I sort of pressed upon them. Now we're playing <laughs> board games. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is what we're doing now. Where do we plug it into the TV? Yeah, there's no yeah. lead. There's no HDMI thing. Where's this? There's no thing on this. You know. You know, it was the type. Of, it was a group that would get together. We'd get together pretty regularly. You know, and have a bottle of wine and just sort of hang out. Um, uh -huh. And I was living. I was living in Wisconsin at the time, which is a really cold area. So during the winter, you kind of just do a lot of like getting together and looking at each other and drinking. Yeah. Um, and so having having an act having an activity that we could all do while we were doing that was, I think the allure for most people it was like, we're going to be getting together anyway. Why don't yeah. we play, play James's crazy board game tonight and see if we like it. 
Um, and you know, that, that became the group that I played a lot of games with for years. And then that is the group when I moved away from Wisconsin, um, that I, I wanted to build this remote board gaming mm-hmm. application to be able to play with them back in Wisconsin. So that, that was kind of the serendipitous occurrence that probably caused this whole software thing to happen in the first place. Was it kind of like, were you just kind of like mucking around? Were you just kind of, were you starting off with kind of like, did you go down the kind of like the player aid route? Was it just like a communication route? Did you try and do a kind of a fudged try and game over the internet with everybody kind of using Skype and things like that? Yeah, I did. So the, the first version of it was with Skype and we just hung webcams from the ceiling, you know, from mm-hmm. uh, from like a chandelier over my kitchen table. And we said, okay, would this work? Uh, And I had a buddy in Wisconsin. We played Pandemic. I remember the first time we did it. And Mm -hmm. it kind of worked. It was kind of junky. I mean, he would have to point at everything and and say, okay, what city is that? And, you know, tell us what to do or whatever. But it, I think the thing that kept me working on this project was that when when I finished those games, it felt like I'd played the game with my friend. It hadn't felt like I had to jump through a lot of weird hoops. Like I had yeah, that memory yeah, yeah. of of having that social interaction that yeah. was val- was valuable to me, um, and and it was the same feeling that I would get when I did it in person. So so as as soon as I I proved to myself that it felt right, I said, okay, well now yeah. I need to start solving the technical problems. But uh, but I got the right feeling out of it, um, and and it was something that I don't get out of playing video games. I don't know why, uh, but I don't. There's no couch co-op. I mean. Um... My son at the weekend picked up like one two switch, and I think that's probably the switch is probably the console that's helped to kind of lead people actually sitting around and actually playing kind of couch co-op again, like your Mario Kart's. Even Mario Odyssey has got an ability for you to kind of play two players. It's okay, it's not great, but one two switch is a genuine kind of it's the Wii Sports of its kind of generation. If I jump over into the PlayStation Four. I'm really struggling to find anything that I could sit down. I mean, again, it would be like, okay, I, you know, you'd message like three or four people and say, should we play some video games tonight? But they would necessarily might be in another state or another country, for goodness sake. You know, I wouldn't actually have people coming around and sitting. So again, you know, that, that social side of video games is kind of, uh, is kind of missing out. And it's strange that Nintendo are kind of, paving the way and bringing it back in when everybody else is talking about how many millions of um, millions of uh, graphical, graphical computations they can do. And it's like, great, but can I just have somebody I can sit next to and play games with, please? Thank you. Uh, yeah, so like I, one thing that I, I always thought was like I would have sessions where some nights would be really good playing video games and I'd be like, man, that was fun. Mm. We, 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 that was a successful mm. session. We all got online on the same time. It worked. We had some great yeah. games. But then there were nights it was a total disaster, you know, whether it was yeah. because somebody had to install something or, or PlayStation Network was weird or whatever. Um, and mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. it was like the hit probability of the night was low. And with board games, it's like the hit probability is pretty high. You know, like, you know, yeah, that people yeah, are showing yeah. up, you know, you're going to have the game, yeah. you know, you're going to play yeah. it. it. There's there's no variables really there um, like there is in the video game world. So it just made more sense for me, I think. In terms of you know, as Vorpo kind of developed, did the kind of the direction that it was going as an application, did that kind of change? Did you start off with much bigger plans for what you're wanting to do? Or have you kind of stuck to a particular vision and kind of stuck with that kind of plan as you've gone? Um, that's a good question. So when we started, I think we've been pretty decent with that. So when we started, hmm. we, we, we very much wanted to build a tool that, it wasn't the type of tool that like knew all the rules of the game or like could enforce the rules of the game or knew where you were supposed to put pieces or whatever. Um, one, mm-hmm. because I was just like one guy working on it at the start. And that was way more than probably I could, I could take on myself, but also mm-hmm. we, we wanted it to just feel like a table. So we wanted people to be able to put stuff wherever and, um, mm-hmm. you know, lay things on top of each other, drag it around, whatever. Um, and so we've stuck to that. The, the big thing that changed via the development of the tool was originally we were planning on doing everything just with a camera above that sort of takes pictures of the board. And mm-hmm. th- then we realized that um, if you want to do cards, if you want to have secret cards, 
yes. we need to come up we need to come up with a solution for that problem and yeah. so that was the whole direction for doing the card scanning box and being able to scan cards in face down and all that sort of stuff so like uh that was like phase two and phase two was was a lot i guess more difficult doing all that development um and then building the product uh, that we're actually kickstarting right now the physical product that we're actually kickstarting um so the real shift from i don't know like where where we started was all co-op games nothing secret and then mm. we said okay we need to be able to support dealing out hands we want to play yeah. settler if you want to play settlers on this thing you need to have secrecy um so that just that sort of uh i guess supercharged what we were thinking as far as like what how the tool was going to work so when you're pl- i mean when you're playing is it kind of is it a bit of hybridization with like say tabletop simulator because if i'm dealt a hand of cards um i mean for, okay first of all for people who i guess we should maybe pull it back a little bit but for people who are going to ask questions like okay if i've got vorpo everybody else has a copy of vorpo um, do they have it on their phone? Do they have it on their tablet? Do they have it on their PC? Does it does it really matter? So yeah, so the way that it works is the host would would need to have a subscription to Vorpal, um, mm-hmm. and they would need to have a cell phone running the app that is mm-hmm. that does that physically does the streaming. So they'd mount that over their table, and we sell. Okay. Uh, we're kickstarting as part of the Kickstarter is a mounting arm that holds okay. the cell phone over the table, and then. That cell phone starts taking very, very high resolution photos, so way higher than 1080p. Uh, we don't mm-hmm. do video from the cell phone because we can get way better imagery. Um, and when you're playing board games, quality is more important than frequency in terms of updating that image because the board doesn't need to change yes. every you know thirtieth of a second or whatever. No, and um, yeah. and so everyone else, all the remote players, everything's done in the web. There's nothing to install. Um, so all they would have to do is go to a website, type in the code that the host gives them, and then they join into the room. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever played like Jackbox, like it's kind of like that where you can just go to a website, type in the code and you're in the game. We're not going to require any of the remote players to have subscriptions or even have accounts. Um, mainly because I know as a, a person who tries to get other people to play board games with me. That if I were to tell you and you're my friend, hey, do you want to play, you want to use this weird system I bought to play a board game tonight? And by the way, you have to go sign up beforehand. And also you need to be a paying subscriber. Like I want it to just be as simple as possible. I tell you, hey, go to this website, type in Mm -hmm. one, two, three, four, five, and you're in the game. Um, And so remote players are free. Our plan is to always have remote players free. The host uh, would just have the subscription and then would have the hardware and uh, all the remote players would interact with the game in the website uh, without having to, you know, buy anything or pay for anything. How do you go about the scanning side of things? Because you've got a scanning box. I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the Kickstarter just now and there's definitely a tablet and there's the little clampy thing and then there's the scanning box thing. So where's the phone going? Because is the phone going in the scanning box or the phone sitting above? I'm confused. <laughs> All right. So so that's a good question. Uh, so there's one phone that would be mounted to do the board stuff. That's the first one I mm-hmm. talked about. If you're playing a game that requires secret cards and therefore you want to use the scanning box, which kind of looks like a desktop scanner. It has a doorway on yes. the top that opens up. It has a glass yes. platform that you put cards on face down. You close the yes. doorway. Underneath the scanner, so you slide into the scanning box, a second cell phone. Right. So you would need a second cell phone if you want to do secret cards. If you don't want to do secret cards and all you need to do is stream the board, you know, you, you use the one cell phone. Mm-hmm. If you're playing mm-hmm. a game where you can scan the cards in advance, you don't need to scan them while you're playing. Um, mm-hmm. You can do one cell phone. A great example, I play uh, Gloomhaven on, on Vorpal Board and mm-hmm. we, we use one cell phone. I scan in my character's cards in advance and then yeah. I just mount the, the camera over the board and we're ready to go. Um, so the only reason to need the scanning box is let's say you're playing Settlers of Catan, um, which now is Catan, I guess. I'm old school. I call it Settlers. So um, you're, not allowed, you're not allowed to call it Settlers <laughs> of Catan anymore. Yeah, they, they don't let you, you say that anymore. Just call it Catan. You're not allowed to even say that. <laughs> right. we, we, you have to watch this. I'm yeah. just going to say if the Settlers of Catan police are listening into, I didn't say it, it was him. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. I can give you his address you, roughly. Where can you is. fix? Can you fix that in post, Richard? Can you bleep that out and just make me say beep of Catan? I'm just um, going to have the intro, just you saying it 15 times <laughs> <laughs> and putting a beep behind it. You know, settlers of Catan. Settlers of Catan. You are. You are going to. You're gonna ruin me. This was this is the this has been a terrible mistake. Um, no, Settlers of Catan isn't a very good game. There you go. Everybody says it. You know what? Do you know what it is? Do you know what it's like? Yeah, mm, yeah. It's like um, having calamari for the first time. Mm. When you get calamari for the first time, Blows you think mind. it's brilliant. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like, oh my word! It's kind of like eating gristle, except it's slightly tasty. And look, yep. there's the fish taste, and it's covered in this fabulous golden bar. Yeah, yeah. I don't know many people who continually eat calamari all the time, because after about the fifth time of eating calamari, you're kind of like, hmm, is there any other potentially ring fish-based products out there? Because this is not, this is not necessarily a good time, because everything, because all it takes is one bad calamari and then you're off. And it's the same with Catan. If you have a bad game where nobody's what to trade with you, you want to go somewhere else. So this is, you know, it's fine. It's a good gateway game. It's lovely. And they make a lot, an awful lot of money through Settlers of Catan. But get over it. It's, you know, this is, you know, I've only played, I played the the video version, video game version. I've never really been tempted to play the actual real version. It's not great, you know. Yeah, so I, there you go. It was the first, it was the first game I ever played that was in the, the non-classic category. A friend of mine was in Germany, and he came back from Germany with a copy of it. And I remember it. It was called Siedler de Catan or something. Siedler, uh, uh, you know, and, and we called it Siedler. Um, but you know, that's just settlers in German, I guess. And I know. You just all, really you know, messed up then. <laughs> yeah, right. All the, cards, all the cards were in German, so we had to ask him to translate for us because he spoke German. And it it like it, it felt like forbidden fruit. It felt like he had arrived on the shores of the United States with some secret game, you know. Um, and it, it blew our minds. We were in high school. I remember, like, we played it one weekend. I swear to God, we played it like fifty times, you know. And oh, um, yeah. And and it is kind of funny to think back now when I play it. Generally, I'm just kind of like, you know, like there's a lot of randomness to it. There's strategy yeah. here, but like, if if you're right, mm. if if you have a bad time with it, it's just ugh. Hooray, more sheep. Yeah, yeah, a lot of sheep. Hooray, more sheep. <laughs> Anyone want to trade sheep? No. No. Nobody wants nobody wants your sheep. Take your sheep with you. Well, let's see if I can roll anything else apart from four this time. Oh, hooray, a four. <laughs> Bleh, so good. Um, <laughs> But in terms of applications for this, um, is, is Vorpal then the type of product that if I was, say, a new exciting designer developer and I wanted to take people through their game, if I said, okay, I have got I've got my kind of, I've done my high-res printing, everything's on paper I don't have proper 800 GSM cards for everything. However, I could put, I could lay my game out on kind of like the table, have it running, scanning the cards beforehand, and then all I would need to do to say to like say, um, like what a lot of people do on Tabletopia, um, is do you want to preview the game? Let's play the game. The only thing about Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator is if you've got to kind of like build up the stuff first of all you just can't stick it on a table take the photographs scan the cards in the box and kind of like you're away was that was that kind of like a consideration or is this something new that i'm bringing to your attention and if so um i'm copywriting that <laughs> you you mailed it to yourself before the show uh so I, it's I, I do it. officially copyrighted <laughs> yeah. um it, it wasn't a consideration when we were originally working on it, um, but yeah. uh, I sit, I, there's a local game designer group here in where I live in the Albany area of New York, and yeah. um, I would go and bring Vorpal and chat with the game designers generally and kind of see their, see their designs and just sort of hang out. And mm. it came, became very clear to me that that was an application for the system because they uh, iterate a lot. So even before they have the nice printing stuff, you know, they have 
junky printed stuff that has you know fake yeah. you know fake art on it and they want to be able to test run that game and um, yeah, yeah. to be able to test it is not easy you have to get in person and all that sort of stuff so mm-hmm. so yeah i do have people who have backed already that are purely thinking of it as a design uh, a design tool um which is neat you know because it's i think of it more as a tool for me to play with my friends but um to think that it could be an actual tool that a designer keeps in their toolbox to use um you know makes me feel good that that somebody could use it for you know to kind of build build yeah. some of these games yeah no i'm just thinking i mean tabletopia is really really good but I could imagine Vorpal being something that's really, really quick right. to kind of set up, to say, okay, I've got the printer, I've got the, the stuff printed today, it's in the mail, it's just arrived. When can we start playing then? Well, if you give me like 20 minutes, you know, i got to scan in some of the cards and then we're, we're kind of like, kind of good to go. Yep. Um, there's a lot of cardboard Luddites out there. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, get a bit afraid about technology. Um, I, I mean, have you? How do you deal with somebody who says, "Ah, oh, I still, you know, I don't like the digital stuff. I like it. I mean, why? Why should I? Why shouldn't I just, you know, um, send my moves via the post <laughs> to people? Uh, you know, I, I mean, and also, you know, that kind of, you know, how have you overcome kind of that kind of? You know, there there are certain there are certain people who will never be customers, right? Like no matter what I do, like they'll just say it's yeah. not for me, and that's fine. But yeah. um, the one thing I will say to people who maybe think I don't want to play games digitally, um, what we're trying to do is 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 supply kind of the around the table feeling um, mm-hmm. that because we have video. I didn't mention this; I probably should have. But we have video chat and audio chat inside the app, right? So it's it's almost like sitting on a Skype call uh, while you're playing a board game inside the framework right and um the thing that i guess i will say is is for my usage i use it a lot with remote players and um it gets me that feeling of hanging around and chatting and going on tangents and just sort of like having a good time playing a board game that Mm. i don't think a purely digital solution always does. Um, and for me, it's about as close as I've been able to get that feeling other than physically sitting down at a table. Um, and you see the actual cards, you see the actual minis, right? Like if you're playing Gloomhaven, you actually see the real miniatures moving on the table as somebody moves them around, which for me lights up some sort of neurons in my brain uh, that isn't lit up by looking at them as digital renders. Um, and I don't know why, you know, I don't know why that happens, but it, it feels realer to me when I'm looking at the photos instead of the digital stuff. Yeah. I mean, um, we've played, I've played a few games on, uh, D and D using rule 20. Yep. And even by able, being able to kind of like see representations of the board, I can imagine actually being able to see, see the board would be really really cool of course i would be tempted to do kind of stop motion stuff <laughs> if it's taking photographs <laughs> right yeah you every you know every how often does it take in photographs is it every 30 seconds or something oh no no we're, we're shooting to have it be like one per second one per second yeah so it so it's updating quick oh, it, it, wow. it, it's not it's not you know it's not like it it's waiting um for a long time before it's before it before it sends but the the benefit of doing that instead of trying to do video is like yeah. imagine you know we're far away from each other right like and imagine you tried to stream a 1080p video from your house to my house like that's just not going to happen but you could take photos at very high resolution and send them to me once per second no problem I don't think you want me to be taking high resolution <laughs> photographs of myself and Let's... sending them anywhere. I don't think that would be. <laughs> oh man, I walked right. I, I walked right into would, it. <laughs> I don't think that would be a good good thing. It does, you know. It's fine here in prison, <laughs> but um, it doesn't always kind of work well. And uh, I'm saying that because um, what you can't see is there's nothing but a blank wall behind. I'm going to put a photograph up one day of the filming of the podcast wall so people can see because I used to record in the cupboard and used to send people pictures of the games cupboard they were in and now there's just a blank wall behind me 
with absolutely nothing. It does nothing look like maybe it does look like maybe you're going to hold up a newspaper to prove what date it is <laughs> uh, because you've been kidnapped and this is a video. It looks it looks a little <laughs> bit like that. <laughs> I don't know. This is that. It's kind of like <laughs> we mean you no harm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the group of goldfish-loving people would like to extend their courtesy. <laughs> we have captured your man. We are demanding you remove all the plastic from the ocean. <laughs> oh, we shall make him your own. No, don't, don't. Take me down. Um. Anyway, um. but apart from that, um, <clears throat> in terms of, okay, so uh, as a software engineer, is it... Have you got to kind of like be able to kind of like say, right, let's stop tinkering? Or are you, have you had to kind of draw a line and say, right, okay, we're going to be doing the release? Or are you still kind of like fittering away and kind of saying, oh, I need to improve this? Or has the Kickstarter led people like, you know, has the Kickstarter led people to kind of approach you with kind of feedback and comments and stuff like that? This meant you're tinkering kind of more than ever. Uh, that's a good question. So we defined a scope because in software, like any project, like scope creep kills you. Um, so we defined a scope that we wanted to target for the Kickstarter. We have plans mm. of what other cool stuff we might want to do in the future if we fund. Because you know yeah. the, the model here is that we're able to keep working on this after we after the Kickstarter funds. That's the whole idea, mm. right? Mm. But um, but for the Kickstarter, we defined a scope. We have a closed beta in the area here in um, the Albany area. And um, so those folks are still using the tool and there are things that they're coming up with um, that we're adding, maybe adding to the future list or adding to the Kickstarter scope list, but not much. Um, I think we kind of have a good sense of what we want to accomplish in the Kickstarter period. Um, Mm -hmm. But the one thing I'll say is that um, I've actually been looking at a lot of, I don't know how how much you pay attention to um, some of the weird kind of indie video games, but there are a lot of games that have come out recently that are card based. There's like a Slay the Spire, um, yes. and is the one I've looked at the most recently. And they do a lot of cool UI elements for like card management that yes. I'm more than willing to admit, like we're starting to crib some of that stuff for our future plans. Um, because uh, representing a hand of cards and how to do that effectively and, and and make it easy for the player to be able to interact with um it, it, those games do it very well so um that's kind of a source of inf- inspiration for me personally and then the beta users are great you know we, we get we get tons and tons of feedback from them because they're playing games that i wouldn't even thought to play on the system um and every time they do that they come and they say oh i was trying to play time stories last night and here's something i ran into that was painful you know and it's like okay well we gotta we gotta solve that um so i know something that's painful with time stories and it's not the obvious being sarcastic it's what happens is when you play time stories for a week um you make a whole of the notes everybody gives the notes to one person and then that one person isn't able to make the session the next week (laughs) yeah that was pretty sore yeah um have you thought about doing a soundboard as in, you know, if somebody goes up against, like, say they're, they're going up in Gloomhaven or Hero Quest or something, and say they lose a fight, and you could have like a wow, 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 wow. <laughs> we we have we we actually have oh. have already discussed not a soundboard, but we have discussed embedding audio into the system because one thing that I would like to be able to do is um, have it integrate with some of like the music player stuff that exists out yeah. there. Um, for like thematic music, because I think that's really nice, um, and not having to go somewhere else to do it. Um, but a soundboard, I'm, 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 you can't see because it's off screen, but I'm going to write it down uh, as, a, as a future feature. So how about that? R- the Richard feature is going to be a I want a trumpet. I uh, want yeah. a trumpet. Okay. And I, get, I kind of had... <laughs> <laughs> I actually... I think that. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I like that idea because we actually do have like dice sounds, right? So there's a dice rolling tool inside the platform. Um, so when you roll dice, it'll make like dice noises and then the dice results come up or whatever. Um, but we don't, other than that, we're not doing a lot of audio stuff uh, currently. But I do like the idea to be able to interact that way. Because like essentially the goal of this tool is to like make a thing that's fun to play. 
right? And if, can, you, if, can you record sessions then? Can you actually record you can, a session? Yeah, you can't today. So, and and we'll see if we ever kind of want to do that. The our our thoughts there have been like, well, if you want to record a session, grab OBS or or Streamlabs version or something, and and record mm. record your screen because essentially it can run in full screen. So I usually wow. I, I I usually just full screen it all the way out. Like when I stream uh-huh. when I stream on Twitch, I'll just full screen it and then just stream my my uh, my window, you know, or my whole desktop actually, um, and that works really well. So they're much better at that than we would be. So we kind of for now are saying, okay, we'll just sort of use another tool if you want to record your sessions. Um, okay. I'd just be tempted by the stop motion aspect of it to do like an entire animation. Yeah. Based on, oh, we don't want to go around this cave. There might be an owl bear. Oh, no, there is. Wah, 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 wah. You know, run away. Yeah, they oh, use... no, he's, he's slipped on some slime. You know, the entire story. It's like, you know, yeah, Lord they, of the Rings. The use of the tool uh, as sort of a, uh, a, a cinema uh, creation tool was not something that I had considered in advance. Write that down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one's on the list, too. You should write that down. You're not writing it down. <laughs> All right, I'll write it I'll down. I'll wait. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the one thing I, you know, I'll throw, I'll throw out too that I, I hadn't considered because maybe I'm a dummy is I hadn't really thought about tabletop role playing game players as people who would potentially want to use this. I was very dialed into just board game players, um, mm-hmm. and then I started talking with a lot of people here locally at, at um, some board game cafes and stuff, and they said, oh. No, this would be very interesting for me to use in my D&D campaign, you know, because they have um, terrain or they want to use their own hand-drawn maps or whatever. Um, And I just hadn't considered it because I kind of thought that was already taken care of by like Roll20 as a product. Um, So I've been chatting with some people about how they would want to use it in their own D&D campaigns. Um, And so that was just a surprise to me. Um, Like I said, it's probably, it should have been obvious, but but it wasn't. I think um, it would, do well to serve the D&D people who can't always make it. You know, if it's a case of, well, is everybody coming around on Saturday and it's like, well, I can't make it, I can't make it, I can't leave the house, I've got to look after the kids, or I can't leave the house because the kids are looking after me, or, you know, that kind of thing. And if everybody could say, well, you've got your, the you know, the DM keeps hold of everybody's figures and you can continue to play, yeah, and I guess their own, it allows them to, bring in the roll 20 stuff's really really good but it's more of a reference sometimes as opposed to a real story telling thing and i'm not dissing roll 20 because it does an excellent job of what it actually does but i think sometimes in order to make it to expand on that you know something like vorpal could be a decent thing you know um with obviously the inclusion of the soundboard that I'm not <laughs> gonna let him go. Um, you know, um, in terms of money, because people are interested. You know, people if people have listened a lot. Um, how much is it going to be? What's a what's a what is the ticket price for entry? For so this? so currently on the Kickstarter, we have two main entry points. One is is seventy five dollars. And that includes mm-hmm. the mounting arm and one year of host of the host service. Mm-hmm. The one hundred and twenty-five dollars is the mounting arm, one year of the service, and the scanning box. Right. Um, and so, the, our goal was to you know do the one year of service at a discounted rate. Our our, our mm-hmm. vision is that it would be five dollars a month again for the host only. Not for any of the remote players. So if you okay. have if you have a group where you want to have one person host, you know you could pitch in and you know do the five dollars a month or however you want to do it. But um, mm-hmm. uh, so so for the Kickstarter, we would be doing a discounted rate for the subscription, but do it for a full year. Um, we're kicking around, and this is kind of a you he- heard it here first moment. You can break some news. We're we're kicking around if we want to have any lower entry point options. Um, at maybe a shorter time period. So people want to just say, I don't want to commit to a year. Let me do a tier where I can buy the arm and get three months or something. And I'd, yeah. I'd be more comfortable backing at that level. Um, because we have gotten some feedback that backing at like a $75 like minimum to try it out is too high. Um, mm-hmm. And so people who have seen it and kind of are really into it, 
they've been you know more than happy to jump in but i com completely understand like we're talking about kind of a weird new thing here and just telling people hey you got to throw in 75 bucks you've never used it before here are some videos of it i could see that we have some people who would rather jump in at a lower level so we're, we're kicking around to see if we want to add a tier that's slightly lower uh, but right mm -hmm. now it's it's the two it's 75 dollars and 125 dollars cool and then we have um kickstarter exclusive we're offering a lifetime um subscription so right. no subscription fee um you know for forever uh and that would be an additional hundred dollars that looks very very interesting indeed i like the box though that that appeals to me very very much i do like the box just uh the um, like the visual of it or the functionality or yeah what? yeah no both everything i'm yeah, quite we, intrigued i'm quite intrigued by all this we tried to make it so it looked so it's made out of wood it's laser cut out of wood it has like mm -hmm. a bunch of wood etching on it it's um it's both like birch on the sides and then walnut on the top and so like what we were going for i'm sure you are familiar with um like elderwood academy stuff or wormwood gaming yeah. stuff so we wanted to yeah. make it so if it was sitting on somebody's table next to some of those things it didn't look like out of place uh so we didn't want to make it out of plastic um we just we wanted it to look like kind of a nice piece um that could sit alongside some of your other accessories so yeah i think it's gonna yeah i think it's gonna kind of when it's on the table i think you really kind of want it to be nice when it's on the table um and attractive and also have it kind of sitting on a sitting on a shelf and people kind of going oh what's that as opposed to oh um what's that you're right right <laughs> somebody's broken your dice tower yeah um, <laughs> and it does it does fold down so the top comes off the sides come off and then oh, it, it okay. folds flat so it's hinged on the, on the, the corners by leather um cool. the goal being that you can put it away you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, yeah. I don't like having stuff out like crazy. So it all folds flat, and then you can put it in the box yeah. and put it away. So um, that was, from an engineering perspective, one of the things that was the most irritating. It would have been really nice to just say, "Oh, we'll just build a box," um, <laughs> but saying, "Okay, no, we need to have it have hinges, um, and those hinges can't look awful. How are we going to do that?" So they're 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 leather strips, and then um, they're riveted, hand riveted in. So we kind of went with a more handmade feel, um, which I think I think people will like. And I'm sure you're going to be doing different versions of the box as well down the line. Yes. You know, this is crying out for a, a full steampunk version, a <laughs> dragon, you know, a dragon-skinned one, you know, one for the Catan people out there that's just completely covered in sheep, um, you know, as, as will suit anyone's want. <laughs> um, if people want to find out more... Where do you exist on the interweb nets? I exist in uh, pretty much all the social media platforms, but the one that I'm most active on is Twitter. Um, okay. I'm, I'm at Vorpalboard. That's V-O-R-P-A-L, board, all one word. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, obviously we're on the on Kickstarter currently, so so the Kickstarter page is where you can get lots and lots and lots of details about how this thing works. But we do a cool. lot of streaming on Twitch. So one of the big things we're trying to be is very transparent about how the system actually looks when somebody is playing it. Um, and with warts and all in terms of the beta right now and, and any issues that we run into while we're live. So right. if you're curious about like just seeing us play, we played Splendor on, on the stream last night. Okay, how, do, how would it play Splendor? You can come and watch the dev team play. Um, yeah. And just sort of see how it performs and ask questions or whatever. So our, our Twitch channel is just obviously called Vorpal Board. You can find us there. Um, and then we have a YouTube channel as well called Vorpal Board Surprise um, that has a ton of videos of just stuff we've produced of us playing different games. Um, I think a big hurdle we're getting over is just sort of like believability a little bit. Um, and so we're trying to produce as much stuff as we can to highlight how it works so that people know what they're potentially backing. Um, and then we have a mailing list. If, if you if you do find that you're interested and you'd love to just sort of know progress, uh, but maybe mm. maybe you're not interested in backing now and you want to know like how we do or whatever, um, feel free to go to vorpalboard.com and we have a mailing list. We only send emails once a month. <laughs> I, I I promise we only send emails once a month. So uh, that's that's probably the best way to to hear the most recent stuff from us. Excellent. Well, we will take all of these uh, show notes. And uh, we'll, we'll put these links into the show notes so we've got notes 
to show. As always, you'd think I'd know how to say that now, wouldn't you, after all these episodes? But, you know, I like to keep people interested and also at the edge of their seats. What's he going to make a mistake on next? I don't know. Could be anything at all. Um, Thank you very, very much for coming on. Um, no, thank, thank you very, thank, very much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been great. Um, I very much enjoy your show and I like your style. And I especially like the room that you're sitting in, Richard. I'm, I, I, I wasn't expecting it. I, I, you mocked me as soon as we connected. You made fun of me for not having the board game wall. And then as soon as your video turned on, also no board gaming wall. So it was good. That was really good. But I'm going to take, I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to take a picture of this. And, <laughs> and if you want to, if you want to see what a, a kind of a, what my board game wall what, uh, looks like, you can, you can find us on uh, kind of different places, worn out faces, worn out places by going to Google and searching for We're Not Wizards and you'll find us on Twitter and you'll find us on Facebook and you'll find us on Instagram and you'll find us on our website which has got a .com in the end. You'll find us on our blog which has got a blogspot.com in the end and you'll find us... Um, You'll find us on all these podcast catchers, which are either got pod in them or cast in them or Spotify, which is just being Spotify and has neither of them in there. Um, but um, if you want to kind of uh, support us as a couple of things you can do, um, this show is brought to you through the support of people who back us on Patreon and who have backed us on Kickstarter, so thank you very, very much for everybody that's done that. If you like us even more, head over to Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription, or drop us a rating, or drop us even a review. If you are going to be giving us a rating or a review, don't give us 10 stars, because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us don't give us one star, because <laughs> it makes us cry. And, you know, you don't want to see me cry. Um, give us five. Because it's in the middle, and it's average, um, and uh, we're just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average is rather wonderful, rather fantastic, Mister James Lang. <laughs> that was me trying to do a kind of a Kermit cheer, but just didn't come out the right way. Um, there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, James? Absolutely not. Nope. Fantastic. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from James. Say goodbye, James. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks, Richard. Uh, thank you. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. Make something awful. And if you want to play a game with your friends when your friends aren't there, but they do want to play with you, but they can't come along because of things, then um, reach for your Vorpal board. Until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Is he early? He arrives precisely when he means to. Mm-hmm.